You guys, I am in front of a massive pile of trash. <laughs> this trash, though, is going to get reused and recycled in, into something great. The question today is, can God do something great with the trash that's in our lives, the things that we don't love, the things that have happened to us? That's what we're going to be talking about. So glad you joined us today. Mi nombre es Víctor, toco el cello. Mi nombre es Ada Baribel Ríos Bogado y toco el violín. kids in Paraguay actually made all of the instruments out of trash. Look at this. That's a fork, people. Let gifted music shine through tonight on that stage. There is something so deeply moving about that video. Here's these kids, you guys, and they take trash and they literally turn it into music. Where do they get that idea? Where does that come from? You know, I love in the beginning of the Bible, it says that we human beings are made in God's image. The great creator, the most creative, that's where it comes from. God turning trash into music and he can do that in our lives. Just look at Jesus' own life. Here's a guy who God comes to earth, he's nailed to a cross, he's thrown into a tomb, there's a stone rolled in front and that stone doesn't last long. Talk about trash, here's God himself crucified. But that stone got rolled away. Did he just do that once? Or is God still rolling stones? shadows bound for the gallows a dead man walking to love came calling rise up
song as much as I do. Anytime our worship team sings a song by Lauren Dangle, I am so excited and I just get fired up. I hope you do too. Right where you are in your pajamas, sitting at home with your family, wherever that may be. I hope you enjoy those lyrics and those words because we get to sing those words together and I'm singing them. I hope you're singing them as well. Hey, listen, as you're joining us for Ascent Online, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the teaching pastors here on staff. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Ascent Online, especially if this is your very first time. For those of you who have met me before, yes, the Afro is still here. I've not cut it yet. Uh, we're still alive, all right? We're just still here. And if you want the Afro to stay, I'm contemplating cutting it, but if you want it to stay, just write in the comments, keep the Afro, all right? If not, just say cut it. Maurice, you look better with shorter hair. I don't know. I'm in a toss-up right now, all right? But enough about me, okay? We got an amazing morning set aside just for you, and I hope you are able to stay tuned. Okay, listen, Jim is about to tell a story, and it's an incredible story, but before that story, I got a story to tell also. This weekend at Balfour Senior Living, there's a group of people gathering together in a room watching Ascent. 
Guys, that is so special, and it is amazing that that's taking place. And I just want to speak directly to those people. If you're out there right now, and I hope you hear my heart on this, we see you here at Ascent. We love you, we value you, and we are giving you a big virtual hug from your church family here at Ascent. Thank you for joining us, and we know that these times are hard. We know that these times are turbulent times and uh, pretty shaky, and we acknowledge that. But we want you to know that we are here for you and God's presence has never left and he's sitting there with you as well. We are so grateful for every single one of you being a part of the mission here at Ascent. Thank you for being a part. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for making things happen, like a group of people getting together at Balfour and watching the sermons and getting to encourage one another. We're grateful for you guys being a part and making things happen, like being able to help a Boulder Housing Authority and Sister Carmen. And we get to get to come together like a community, but not only a community, we get to live like Jesus, and we firmly believe that. So if you want to be a part of what's taking place here at Ascent and being a part of that mission and living a little bit more like Jesus, you can go to Ascent Serve. You can find out all the ways to be a part and and just go to Ascent Serve. It's so many different things that you can find there, and uh, this is where we will find all of the ways we are able to help give and bless our community. Hey, and for those of you who have decided to give financially, I need you to know a special thank you from here at Ascent. We love you, we thank you, and you are being a part of all that's taking place here at Ascent. Everything that I just mentioned, it is because you have taken a step and been a part of the mission here at Ascent. So thank you for giving financially. We really appreciate that. All right, I told you a little bit earlier that there's gonna be a story. And right after this, Jim's gonna come up, and this is gonna be the most heartbreaking, hopeful, and spirit-filled story that you hear, take a moment to sit back. I believe not only is Jim going to speak in this moment, but I believe God might have something to say to every single one of us. So take a listen to this story. I'm going to tell you a story here today. Uh, Before I do, though, I have to ask you a quick question. I want you to think about somebody you love, and what is it that you love about them? Are they funny? Are they caring? Uh, what are they generous? What is it? As you think about somebody, actually take a second, write it in the chat bar, or uh, if you're with somebody, maybe turn and tell them, uh, or if you're alone watching this, maybe just make a note or write something down, or you're going to tell somebody later what it is that you love about them. What do you love about people? Before we dive into this story, I want to just confess to you, as I think about Jesus, and I think about my walk with him, I don't follow him out of obligation. I don't follow him because I have to. I follow him because I love this guy. And one of the things I love the most about him is that like what Maurice said a few weeks ago, that God is the great recycler. I love that. I love that God tends to take the worst and turn it into something amazing. He takes trash and he turns it into music. I love that. Today I want to tell you a story about what is perhaps one of the all-time most spectacular sins. And when I say spectacular, I don't mean good. I mean a spectacle, horrible sin that God used one of the most spectacular sins and somehow took it and wove the most spectacular, and I mean good, plan that human beings have ever experienced of all time of human history. The story starts with a 17-year-old kid named Joseph. Joseph's got 10 older brothers, yes, 10 
older brothers, one younger brother, and there's something about their family that's a little odd. The dad, Jacob, loves Joseph more than he loves the rest of his brothers. Okay, so Jacob had wives, or had, kid, had a bunch of wives, and he had these kids through different wives, and he liked one wife the most, Rachel, and because he had Joseph with Rachel, he likes Joseph the most. There's family favoritism happening. Some of you guys, like, I'm just, I even mentioned this, and I'm all, we're already off to a start where you're like, that one hurts. You've experienced that. You know what it's like. You know what it's like when somebody in your family favors someone else and the bitterness that that causes. Just because this is a Bible story, and maybe some of you are familiar with it, don't let that rob yourself of the emotion and the pain that that causes for this family. Joseph is the favorite. Now, they got a little family business, right? They're farmers, and the dad, Jacob, gives Joseph this coat. Now, some of you guys have seen Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat, and you're picturing in some coat that's all colored. I don't want to ruin it for you too much, but <laughs> most scholars now believe it's not a colored coat. It was actually a long coat. And what a long coat meant was he's in charge. It's the management coat. So the rest of you brothers are workers. Joseph is the manager. Joseph gets to sit under the umbrella with the lemonade and bark out orders. The rest of you brothers do everything. For those of you who have siblings, how does that feel? You like that? Like little brother, little sister's the one who gets to call the shots. That's what's going on here because dad favors Joseph. So that's the environment of this family. But what makes it even worse, you guys, is that Joseph has dreams. And I don't mean just like, you know, thinks about the future. He has real dreams that um, don't sit well with his family. Joseph one night has a dream, has two dreams actually, where he sees an image of himself and his, all his brothers bowed down to him, okay? Do you love that, you older brothers and sisters, right? Little brother has a dream where all the older brothers are bowing to him and he actually shares it, okay? This is an old ancient painting that can give you an idea of kind of what this looked like. Here's Joseph and there's the younger brothers. The problem is, is that he actually shares the dream with his brothers. What are you thinking, man? You know, I, I, I just, it's so funny because the other night uh, I was uh, dreaming myself, had this dream, and I actually dreamt this same painting. I got an image in my dream of the same painting that I'm talking about right now, except what was so funny was that my face was where Joseph's face was, and one of the brothers' faces was actually my co-pastor, Bill, right? So it kind of looked like that. I would not dream of ever sharing this dream with Bill. Are you kidding? You know how hurt Bill would be if I showed this to him? Or if I left this on the screen so long that you could push Shift, Alt, 4, and take a screenshot and post this on social media or, or take out your phone and take a picture of it and put it on Facebook or Instagram, I would never dream of doing that to Bill. You know how hurt he would be? Okay, but Joseph did it. So Joseph is now at odds with his brothers and they hate him and they actually want to kill him. Look at what it says in Genesis Chapter 37, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Okay, this is now escalated. This is next level. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him. 
and throw him into one of these cisterns. Now their initial plan was to kill him and just get rid of him in this big giant kind of water, underground water container. It would have looked something like this, where they tried to catch rainwater and, and they live off this water that they would catch. Now the initial plan was kill him and throw him in there, but one of the brothers intervenes and convinces them, just throw him in. Let's not kill him yet. Let's just throw him in until we figure out what to do with him. We can tell our father, they continue, a wild animal has eaten him. So we're going to cover it up. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And that's what they do. They throw him into the cistern. Can you imagine the terror that Joseph must have felt as his brothers forcibly took him, tied him up, and throw him into a cistern? Terrifying stuff. Well, now they've got the question of what they're going to do with them. They had some cousins who were actually slave traders, human traffickers, who happen to be coming by at the same time, and they see them, and it comes into their mind what they should do with them. And sure enough, they pull Joseph up out of the cistern, bind him, and sell him. They sell their little brother to these slave traders who take him, and each brother gets about $10,000 and what you know, would be considered today's money. $10,000. Would you sell your little brother or sister for $10,000? Do not answer that, okay? I know it's a Bible story. I know it's kind of fun. Sometimes we teach it in little, you know, in uh, Sunday school, that kind of stuff. Maybe you grew up hearing it. This is terrifying. This is a spectacular sin, horrible sin, awful sin, miserable family tree that lasts for generations of pain and some of you guys know exactly what that's like some of you guys can look at your family tree and there's a part of that tree that is a broken limb or a rotted out stump or something awful that has happened in fact I got to be honest I don't know that I've ever met anybody I don't know that I have ever met one person that when you start to poke on their family there isn't something that they are hiding or afraid to share can God roll stones can God take the trash even of our family life and turn it into music is he still doing that today can he do that with you when I was 16 I lived with my parents and my younger sister and I was a junior in high school and I came home from school one day and noticed that a bunch of picture frames and furniture was missing and then I checked my mom's closet and it was cleaned out she had moved out that day while I was at school. Uh, my sister and I soon learned that she had been having an affair and uh, for quite some time with a guy that she now lived with a couple miles from our house. Uh, you can only imagine how angry I was toward her and confused. Uh, that summer I encountered Jesus at a Young Life camp. Um, I felt so unloved and just abandoned and I felt like God just grabbed hold of me and said, you are mine and I'm not letting go. And that was a huge summer for me. Uh, after that summer, I knew that I needed to forgive her, but there was absolutely nothing inside of me that wanted to forgive her or could forgive her. So I told God um, that he was going to have to change my heart in order for that to happen. And he did uh, about three years later after she had left. Um, he changed it from bitterness to a, just a loving forgiveness toward her. And 
It felt like a huge burden had been lifted off of me and I felt so free after that conversation with her. Then fast forward about six years later and I was engaged to my now husband, Todd. And I learned that on my mom's side of the family, there was three generations of affair and divorce before me. And that stopped me in my tracks. I knew that I needed to pray against that generational sin um, and just a praying of that cutting off of this was the old and Todd and I are starting the new and that we were grounded and rooted in Christ. And that was what was going to be different moving forward. And here we are almost 15 years later and we've got three amazing, fun and crazy kids that I love being, I love being their mom. And, um, I have a great relationship with my dad and my mom. I have come to learn that I just, um, I can't change her and that I just have to trust that God has her. You know, some of you hear that story and you think, oh, that's great that God does that kind of stuff in other people's lives. But I've been at it for decades now in my family and I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing any good come from it. I get it. And we're going to talk about timing because God kind of has a different little time frame than us. But before we get there, let's get back to our friend Joseph, who is now in Egypt. His slave traders have taken him to another country and sold him to a high-ranking official's household who likes Joseph. Joseph's actually a hard worker. He's positive. He's smart. And Joseph starts to climb the kind of corporate ladder until one day he gets into a little trouble, not of his own doing. But he's accused of a crime he doesn't commit and Joseph is actually thrown into prison. Imagine what he's thinking right now. Okay, first I'm sold by my brothers and now I'm thrown into prison for a crime I didn't commit. God, where are you right now? Well, he's there for a while and he starts to kind of gain the favor of the warden. The warden likes him. And they throw two high-ranking officials in Pharaoh's court into prison with him. And so now he's got a couple cellmates and they start to talk and something so interesting happens. Not only does Joseph dream himself, but it turns out that God's given him the ability to interpret other people's dreams. And the guy in prison who he's with has a dream. Joseph interprets it. And actually what happens through this is the guy is able to get out of prison and go back to work thanks to Joseph. And Joseph just has one request. Joseph says to him, look, if you can get out of here, would you please just remember me? And the guy springs out of jail and he forgets Joseph. And Joseph is still in jail for two more years. How does he even believe in God at this point? Here's a guy who's been sold, who's been thrown in jail, who springs somebody else who has the power to get him out and for, just forgets him. He's in jail this whole time. He's probably grown up as a little kid hearing about how God loves him and maybe that's how you feel. And it's like, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing this? If you really love me, why is my life turning out this way? God, could you take this trash and turn it into music, please? Hey guys, my name is Eric King and I've been going to Ascent for a number of years, my wife and I, Sherry. 
she and I, uh, our first Sunday at Ascent was actually the first Sunday that we were in the old Sam's Club building. Uh, and even funnier, the guitarist for that next week uh, apparently couldn't make it. And so Jim Candy called me and my second visit to Ascent, I was actually playing guitar on the worship team and the rest is history. So um, I wanted to share with you a little bit of, of some frustrations I experienced when I first moved out here and um, how this might apply to, to some of what we're experiencing now. Um, so when I first moved out here, I had a great job, great company that moved me out here. About two years into that job, after I had moved my family, I got laid off. I then went and started my own consulting practice. And those that have been involved in startups or your own business, you know the ups and downs of that can be just exhausting. And so after about five years, I thought, you know what, I'm ready to go back to the corporate world. So I then went and found this awesome company. I still love these people down in Boulder. But about eight months into that adventure, I got laid off. And so in a number of years, I'd had a great job, lost a great job, had a great company, closed a great company, started a new job, lost that job. And I remember thinking the whole time, God, where are you? Like, I am desperate here and it's crushing me and I'm I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm, I feel lost and just alone. And as I prayed through that, as I continued to meet with friends who um, would help me and sort of coach me through these moments, um, now I can look back and realize that there were, there were certain things about my character and certain things about who I was, who God wanted me to become, that these painful experiences, they forged something in me, that high heat of forging something in me. And so now I can look back, and while those times were terrible, and I wouldn't want to repeat them, I also wouldn't want to change them, because that high intensity, that high heat created something in me that deeply trusted God. So I hope that's helpful. Love you guys. After those two years are up, the Pharaoh has a dream, and he needs help with figuring out what it means. And one of his top officials who had been in prison with Joseph suddenly remembers, hey, I know a guy who can do this. And they call on Joseph, and Joseph comes and he interprets the dream that the Pharaoh has. And basically the dream goes like this, that for seven years, there is going to be wild parties in Egypt. There's going to be food. There's going to be wealth. There's going to be everything that you want. It is like the roaring 20s all over again, except we can never use that phrase anymore because 2020 stinks, doesn't it? But Joseph foresees this. And he sees that after those seven years of wealth and abundance, that there's going to be seven years of famine where everything is shut down and there's nothing. And the Pharaoh loves him loves that he has this vision and says, you know what, Joseph, you're in charge. He goes from being in the prison to the like vice president of Egypt, except with more power than the vice president. Everybody's knee now bows to Joseph because really the Pharaoh just wants somebody to run it all while he hangs out in the palace. Joseph is now in charge. He cuts all exports, increases all imports, and all their food supplies store up for seven years because at the end of seven years, the goal is that Egypt would control the world. 
because they're poised with all the resources. And that's exactly what Joseph is able to do. Well, a couple years into the famine, sure enough, here come 10 brothers from a foreign land. And it's Joseph's brothers that have come to see him. You guys, this is 22 years after Joseph has been sold. He's a 39-year-old now. He's got a wife and kids, and his brothers actually don't even recognize him anymore. All they see is like the vice president of Egypt, and so they find themselves now bowing at Joseph's feet, begging for food. And the vision, the dream that Joseph had comes true. Not because he's in power or ruling over them, but because now he's actually in a position to save them. And Joseph says something amazing. This is in Genesis chapter 50. He looks at his brothers who still don't recognize him. And then finally, Joseph tells them, I'm your brother, Joseph. And they weep and they wail and the brothers are terrified, right? Of course they would be. And Joseph says to him this in, in uh, verse 19 through 21. He says, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I want you to hear these words again, because this is how God works. Listen again to what Joseph said to his brothers. You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You know, there's somebody else that would say those almost or could say those exact words a few hundred years later. Couldn't Jesus have said this? You intended to harm me when you nailed me to the cross. You intended this for evil, but God intended this for good so that I could save the lives of many people. Guys, this story is really the forerunner of God's amazing plan that God has taken the most spectacular sin of all time, which is not selling Joseph, it is nailing Jesus to the cross, the most spectacular sin of all time, and turning it into the most spectacular plan that human history has ever seen. The story of Joseph is a forerunner of the story of Jesus. Now, some people look at this passage in, in, uh, in chapter 50 and say, that's the best piece of this whole story, right? And if you haven't read uh, Genesis 37 through 50, that is like required reading this week. Go in and read this narrative because there's way more than what I'm telling you. But I think here might be the most interesting of it all. There's another passage that I want to show you that goes even beyond what Joseph said. Jacob, his dad, is still alive and makes the journey to Egypt. And when he gets there, he's reunited with Joseph. And there's this amazing scene in chapter 49 where he blesses each brother. And I want you to see what he says about the brother named Judah. Check this out. He says this in Genesis 49:10: the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants. Okay, what's he talking about? until the coming of the one to whom it belongs. And guys, in Hebrew, 
That phrase, the one, is shalom. And shalom, many people interpret that as meaning the Messiah. Until the Messiah, until the sent one to whom it belongs comes. Who are they talking about? <laughs> the one whom all nations will honor. They're talking about Jesus. There's Jesus. In the midst of Genesis chapter 49, you see how God sent this boy, Joseph, into this land and used this incredible pile of trash story, the worst story, to make the incredible music that Joseph would save his brothers and save Judah, who would then become the forerunner, the descendant of Jesus Christ, who came to save us. Amazing! God is the great recycler. He can take our worst and turn it into something amazing. Guys, I want us to sing a song. I got, I got one more thing I want to say. And I'll do that after this song because this is the kind of thing where we got to pause and just say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner and now I'm not. Well, church, uh, in response to what Jim just said, we are going to enter into a song and a time of thanks thankfulness. So please join us as we enter into that time. Sing, I will be hopeless. I would be hopeless without your goodness. Be desperate without your love. Slip to the darkness if he was in full cross. Yes, you have won me with your kindness. You chased me down. Was lost. Where would I be if He was in full cross? Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. I was a prisoner, now I'm not. It's with Your love, You, You bought my. We'll sing all my shame, yes. So my shame was met with mercy. Now your mercy will be my song. Oh, the glory, oh, the
God take the trash of our lives and turn it into music. Guys, this is a typical Bible story. I mean, you look at Job, you look at Joseph, you look at Esther, you look at Daniel, you look at Nehemiah, you look at the life of Paul, and you look at, of course, Jesus himself. God is in the business of recycling. And we're looking at our lives and we're going, gosh, I haven't seen that in my life and it's been decades since the trash hit. What if it's your great grandkids that somehow benefit from this something, this trash heap that God actually has the vision to see beyond even our own little lives and some of the pain that we're going through may impact generations down the line. Are we willing to enter into a story that big that even goes beyond ourselves. That's the invitation today. That's what God could be doing today. Don't even try to figure it out. And and I'll just say, I have no idea how God may do this. We have no idea how God may take our trash and turn it into music, but I can guarantee you it will not be what you expect. But how would it change your life if you saw it this way? That God might be working for your good? Would it change the way you see your problems? Would it change the way you see the person who wronged you? Would it change the way in how you have wronged someone else and that could be redeemed? Would it change the way that you go to work every day saying, I am going to advocate and be God's agent in the world to recycle, recycle, to turn something awful into something good? Guys, that's the challenge today. That's the invitation today to believe to believe that God can do something great. And if you have been told or you have told yourself that that is not a possibility, guys, turn from that. Who told you that? God can do great things even in a trash pile because he works all things for the good of those who love him. Is overcome, it is fear. 
stripes I'm healed by your death I live the power of sin is overcome it is finished hallelujah thank you Jesus I was a All my freedom, hallelujah, for the cross, hallelujah, for the cross, hallelujah, for the cross. Well, Ascent, what an amazing we've had together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, don't forget, set your alarm clock same place, same time next week. We're going to be exploring an idea around the weight and heaviness that you and I may be feeling in a season like this, but how do we overcome that? Well, my amazing wife is going to help us answer that question, and we can answer that question. That's the beauty of it all. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll talk to you later.